I mean he's an impersonator. A fake. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the following urgent announcement. You, yes you, put down that oversized bottle of Scrumpy and listen here. Do you like being entertained? Do you like television? Well, do we have the show for you. Built for people who love TV, where three rapscallions dissect two television shows, one old and one not so old, for a probable audience of one. It's time for Hardly TV History. Hello and thanks for tuning in to Hardly TV History, the show where three idiots talk about two television shows for a probable audience of one. My name is Shannon and as usual, I'm joined here by both Jake and Christian. Hi. We are, of course, recording this episode on Valentine's Day, which gives you a little peek about our schedule, our release schedule. Um, so when you're listening to this in October, hello, um, hopefully the world hasn't exploded. Um, but we picked two of the most uplifting, the most heartwarming, beautiful shows to share with you on this Valentine's Day. Um, connected by human misery <laughs> and tragedy. So we thought, you know, what's best to give back to the community that suffered so much in the last couple of years but to highlight two shows that allow you to indulge in a bit of Schudenfreude, a little a little bit of human, other people's human misery. That's We thought mm. that's what we're going to do for you. So the two shows we've, we're going to talk about today are Chernobyl and, uh, and The Looming Tower, Chernobyl, on Binge here in Australia and The Looming Tower on Amazon Prime here in Australia as well. Uh, I'm going to throw to, I don't know, let's say, we didn't talk about this off here because we're, no, we we're whinging for 45 minutes about other stuff. <laughs> we should have coordinated a bit we more should have, effectively. We should have. This just goes to show how little we're <laughs> for this episode. We were, we were 35 minutes early and we still didn't get around to the podcast. Still, still didn't actually work out what to say or do. This, um, is, uh, this is completely... There's completely unscripted people. You get us basically live. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're not refined at all. This is no. like like they haven't heard the podcast before. Like they're just like, I'm shocked. Your high standards have eroded yeah. Uh, yeah. on you, this episode. And you do often, you'd always say in the intro that it's three idiots talking about two shows. And yeah. we really are three idiots. Three absolute peanuts. Um, so who, who's doing what show? It doesn't matter. Let's let's just give the audience all of the raw data. Who's doing what? Who wants to do what? Which show are you doing? Christian, you want to go first? Yeah, look, if I get to go first, I'll uh, pick a show. And uh, I did Chernobyl. Like, it's first on my list of shows that I've taken some notes for. Because I do take notes, I promise people. I, I, do, want to, I do want to say technically the Looming Tower came out first. Uh, in in the, if we're going by the, our normal Jack. code of, re, of wrecking order, 2018 Jack. and 2019. You and I both know that we do not. We we started off a really pure dream on this yeah. show. It was it was we were going to do we were going to do one really old show and one modern show, <laughs> and then we got about <laughs> 15 episodes in. And went, it's really hard because I don't care about bewitched. So let's just <laughs> let's just pick whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and we just gave up on that that concept. It's also yeah. really hard to find those really old shows. We're trying. Yeah. We're trying though. Like it's we had right. to watch. Um, I think we had to watch uh, the Leslie Nielsen one. The um, uh, police squad. Yeah, police squad. Police squad. Yeah. We had to watch that on some kind of YouTube knockoff, didn't we? Yeah. I'm, st- I'm still trying. Yeah. On like uh, what was it? Venmo? Or- no. Yeah, that, what Vimeo, was it? Vimeo. Yeah. Vimeo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was like, all right, fine. It's free, and I can watch it with ads. 
Uh, I'm still. I still want to do an episode on my mother, the car. Can you find that show? No, you can't. It's a. It's a show where a man's mother dies, and then she is inside his car in the radio and talks to him from the radio. What show does that link with? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I yep. want to do it. But I can't find it. That's yep. why we're not allowed to do it. Oh, brilliant. Loving this conversation. But to go back to our. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there's a show to do. You're go, right. go, go with no, Chernobyl. No, no. Go for it. Do you want to do Chernobyl, Jake? You should do it. If you like Chernobyl no. better. I like them both equally, so go crazy. The politest show on, on podcast. Yeah, no, after podcasts. you, sir. No, sir, after you. Oh, it's just so <laughs> nice to see. Um, stay tuned afterwards because I'm going to talk about ivermectin and how it totally cures COVID <laughs> because I'm going the Joe Rogan path. Like I want, I want to attract – I want Spotify's cash is what I want. So we're going to talk about <laughs> – something that I'm unqualified to talk about. Do, do you think if we like just say words like ivermectin and Joe Rogan, it'll like the algorithm will like pump us up to horse pills <laughs> shoved entirely up your rectum. It's yep. the only way to solve COVID. Yep. Yep. All right. So uh, shall I talk about, uh, you know, this show that we're here Go to actually it. discuss? Go, Go for, for it. Fantastic. Okay. So how do I describe Chernobyl? Well, Chernobyl is a television series produced by HBO um, and presented on binge uh, on Australian television, as um, as Shannon says, which is a bit of a biopic of the nuclear disaster at a place called Chernobyl, which is in modern Ukraine. Uh, happened at a time in in the nineteen eighties, I think about nineteen eighty six, yep. um, where there was a, effectively a nuclear disaster, some kind of meltdown, an explosion, and uh, Chernobyl is the story of how that was experienced by the residents of the the town and how uh, it was effectively dealt with and the actions of of, of the of the yeah you know, the officials operating in the soviet bureaucracy and uh, the show opens with this really uh, eerie dark ominous tone the uh, where uh, a character whose name is Lagazov is in his room talking about what the price of lies is. He, he's, it's happened a number of years after Chernobyl and he's recording on a little audio device in a very dingy little apartment flat somewhere in, in the Soviet Union. Gives a monologue and basically dictates a suicide note. Um, we see there's a blood on a handkerchief, so he's obviously quite poorly and in health. Um, and we see him effectively end his own life. And then it takes us back in time to the events of Chernobyl right before the blast. And I just thought that was a really powerful opening to to the show um i think through the whole series they portray they present things through really unique and interesting perspectives you actually get to see the explosion happen at the at the facility from a distance through a window in an apartment which is something you wouldn't normally get to see and you feel the and you get to see the uh the the reverberations and the shockwave of the explosion sort of hitting hitting the building we get to see the firefighters running in trying to suppress the fire and this first episode is really about that initial response um people rushing in trying to clean things up there's a whole heap of confusion and, and agitation in the actual plant itself they're in the control room they're not sure if the what's actually occurred they think it's a hydrogen tank has exploded there you see people running down through the facility trying to actually get a look at the reactor room or the vault where the where the um, fuel rods and everything are kept and you just keep getting the sense that it's getting worse and worse there's people getting sick with radiation poisoning there's rubble and stuff everywhere um and there's a key theme that comes through the show which is 
the government's trying to keep this secret. We can't upset people. We can't let misinformation get out and they're shutting everything down. So the whole se- whole show, really, whole episode is very strong on heavy government control. People are trying to avoid blame. There's some fascinating characters in there who are uh, trying to avoid responsibility for the disaster write-off. And it's very, anyone who's worked, you know, I suppose, in a corporate environment can recognise some of the behaviours that they, they see there. Um, but it's a really compelling first episode very dark very grim ominous really sucks you in and pulls you in and makes you want to keep watching guys what were your impressions well i'll be honest christian i struggled with this one maybe because i was really tired the the pace of this one was really slow for me uh for what should be a relatively exciting incident it seemed to be going at a, a snail's pace um from what i was my first initial thoughts shen I, Jared Harris, straight away, you know, phenomenal character actor, Jared Harris. That opening scene does plenty to set it up um, and get you kind of excited. And then it really ground to a halt for me. Mm. Even the exciting incident was, um, you know, it, it came on quick. Like you didn't wait very long for the whole thing to go tits up. But um, from there, it was kind of a bit of a glacier's pace through switching back through perspectives from the fire uh, the, the, the 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 all the fire services that were trying to put out the fire to uh, to people just sort of suffering radiation burns. I'd never even thought about radiation sickness uh, manifesting itself that way. So that was really fascinating mm-hmm. to watch. Um, the makeup and special effects really well done. Um, but I, I, I wanted a bit more in that first episode. It did sort of you know meander along um what i was really thrilled about is that straight away i was i I don't really have an appetite or an aptitude for learning other languages Mm. but i understood everything they were saying perfectly like (laughs) their russian was perfect i I was like i holy holy hell guys i understand russian and ukrainian I, i was i was right there that took me out of it straight away that that use of not only the english language but also english accents was really odd well um and, and I get no one wants to be the villain from James Bond pretending to, you know, that no one wants to be that guy trying to put on that Russian accent. Well, but I think it, I think you've got to invest. I think you've either got to tell the story through like English investigators or like an, an investigative journalist and then let everyone else talk with subtitles because it just, it, it completely took me away from investing in the story that they know everyone's not only spoke Russian or I, I assume it's Russian and I might be completely ignorant, mm-hmm. um, but also that, they did it with a perfect English accent, which was very strange. They they did try and go with the Russian, but they they found that the performances were stilted because of them trying to put the Russian accent on. So they thought, yeah. just ditch the whole thing and we'll give better performances because of it. There is also a bit of a history of uh, British accents being substituted for Russian accents in, in film and TV. I'm thinking most recently of The Death of Stalin, which is a, a, a really great... It's also a comedy, though. Like, well, yeah, but but it's not intending to be serious like this is. This is supposed to be kind of like a proper kind of historical look at. It's not a documentary. I appreciate that. It's it's a biopic, yeah. Yeah, but I I did think that there was English scientists working at Chernobyl for the longest time until I realised that everyone was speaking with an English accent. But (laughs) but but if if in Freddie Mercury they just like didn't give him the buck teeth, and he was just played as a normal dude with with an American accent, everyone would be like, um, excuse me, that's not Freddie Mercury, guys. Yeah. Like, you can't you can't just do a biopic and then be like, oh, we, don't worry about it. We're just doing English because it's too hard. Yeah, no, I think you, you're being a bit harsh on it. And 
I think part of it too is there's different types of English accents that different characters have. I, I think all they're doing is using, because they've made the show for an English audience, they've produced it so that there are different accents and they sort of depict people come from different backgrounds and have different um, personalities and things like that. But there's no point in having everyone speak in a, in a dodgy Russian accent. It's much, but, much, You're making it for an English audience. So they're, they're speaking in their normal accent. They're not putting any accents on. Correct. It's just whatever, whatever they normally speak, Yep. is what they're doing. So, that's fine. And that's perfectly it, it, fine. It, it, it is an interesting take. I don't think it was a bad thing. I mean, I think a lot of people you know, struggle reading subtitles and gets taken away from the performance. And the performances were really good. So mm-hmm. uh, they, they didn't change names or anything. They kept them all, you know, the, the Russian names, but just speaking with the yeah, English accent. Meryl Streep did an, an Australian accent when she played Lindy, Lindsay Chamberlain. Like, you've actually, if you're going to tell that story, you've kind of got to invest. It immediately took me out of it. Like, I know, everyone knows oh. the story of Chernobyl. And I was like, Matt, they're talking, it completely ruined the, the facade for me. No. It was so disappointing. Oh, that is... I'm disappointed that you're disappointed. <laughs> I feel I feel like I was speaking down to us a little bit, like you know, you can't handle subtitles. So oh. that, give, that, us, give us subtitles. That's how, that, that's how it's a little. It felt a little bit. I don't think I was upset as upset as Shannon is, but I, I was a little bit taken back by it. No, you guys are being precious. <laughs> I, I, precious I want my biopics by to, to have some of... level of realism. That's what I was after. <sighs> what, you can't what? you can't take liberties with the story. Yeah, people people appreciate that you took. Give us subtitles, man. That's all I'm asking. Why? You want to do an English dub? Do an English dub and ruin it like Squid Game. So you, you want all, all the actors to speak in Russian? I, I yeah, fill it with Russian actors. It's like there there are people that can act. Like you're going to make a you're making a story about a Russian disaster. Give mm-hmm. make them make them Russian. That's all I'm asking. Uh, th- this is far too woke for me. This show has gone <laughs> woke, and I'm, I am I am pushing back on this cancel culture. Well, uh, we're going full Joe Rogan. I'm going to say a whole bunch of horrible words afterwards, uh, so it's it's fine. This part's all woke. Yeah, yep. I, I will okay. say I will say the look at this the look at this show. I expected a bigger production than what we got. Knowing HBO and the money, I, I felt like it looked. It, I it thought looked, that's unfair. It, it looked fine, but I, I was expecting more of the explosion and more of the you know more of the effects that were put I, into it. I really like the subtlety of the explosion being seen from far away. I thought I thought the scale of it when the firefighters were actually trying to battle it looked really impressive. Akin to something I'd see from Game of Thrones. You know, that kind of scale mm-hmm. in, in which is clearly like a set, but yeah. um you know, there was a couple of moments where you could see some polystyrene boulders and stuff in the in the hallways where it just wobbled a bit too much. Um but you know, it, it's. I thought it was on the whole very good, and it, you know, reminds me of like a Russian sub. Like it, you, you get that kind of. It really felt like you were deep in a Russian, mm. you know, power plant, and particularly the boardroom, which I was like, if that was the boardroom in a basement, I would be. I don't want to be that board. Like when that board comes down, <laughs> that very important board that's kind of a board that's all just old white men. It's, uh, it's a local, like yeah, political committee, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yep. yeah, with a man with a cane who just like. You know, gives us a Jeff Winger speech at the end to wrap it all up. And, oh, all about know, Lenin. And, everyone. Yeah, how important it is to stop misinformation and irresponsible reporting of <laughs> of of, uh, of unconfirmed facts. Yeah, you make uh, the guy orange, and we've got it just made me <laughs> would have made me so much happier. Yep, but that whole scene is fascinating. I mean, oh, it and, is. and the Good dynamic scene. between um, Dyatlov, who was the engineer on site, who was overseeing the experiment that has gone bad. Um, 
and the chief engineer and the person who runs the nuclear power plant, they're all immediately trying to absolve themselves of, of responsibility. And, and all the conversation they have is, oh, how could I have been responsible? I was asleep. How could I have been responsible? I was not on site. I, I was on the toilet or whatever. It, you know, it's, and, and it's stunning and it's shocking, especially when you're not expecting to see, and, and you maybe don't have an understanding of how like these, uh, how these like really corrupt systems function. Uh, and it's impo- very important for all these people to tell the right facts and tell people what they want to hear. So yeah, the nuclear core is melted down, but it's far more important for your own self-preservation and survival to make sure that, you know, you tell people that hasn't happened. So no, the core didn't melt down. It was a hydrogen tank that's exploded. And when people tell you the opposite, you need to shut them down, which they do repeatedly through the episode. Do you think at the very early stages that those characters actually did think something disastrous had gone wrong? It, it seemed like just denial, like mm, actually denial unable to accept, ex- unable to completely accept the truth. Rather than trying to obfuscate the truth, it just seemed at that stage they were completely in denial about it. Well, it's just like, it can't happen. Are you stupid? You know, it, it can't be this. Yeah. And he actually said to him, are you stupid? You that, that's a, that's a very powerful scene where that other guy comes in and I, I'm mm-hmm. never going to learn the names for this guy. So <clears throat> he comes in and says, I saw graphite. Yeah. I, I, I saw it. I actually yeah. saw it out there. It's it's definitely not what you're saying it is. It's definitely the core that has exploded. Mm. And they're like, you're mental. Yeah. Do you How think that that's just happen? pure denial from those characters, or and and unable to accept the truth, or are they completely in save everyone's ass mode? This they're in save everyone's ass mm. mode. They know the cords exploded. They know that there's graphite on the ground. Like there's always people coming and telling them that the explosion. Like Dietilov sees it. He walks along the walkway during the episode. He goes away, has a cigarette, a break, or whatever, and he, and he looks and he can see all the stuff everywhere. He know and he glances over it. You can see he knows exactly what it is. Mm. But it's vital that he reports that it's that the reality is something different. So what we're seeing effectively are the people who are used to having a system that will actually bend reality to suit the narrative, um, and it's coming hard up against you know actual real reality where there's graphite and nuclear radiation leading into the leaching into the air. I just find it fascinating that you know six or seven men decide the fate of what happens or what information gets out. Mm. It's just, it's, I'm sure this probably did happen that six men sat in a room and said, We're not going to tell people that. And it, it, it blows my mind that people have such power over information. Mm. It's, well, it's an authoritarian regime. You yeah. know, we, we, we live in a, in a democracy where we have things like freedom of information laws and there's a, a free press and people are able to rock up to um, ask their parliamentarian all sorts of questions. In Soviet Russia, you don't have that sort of system. So, and everyone is self self-preservation and self um everyone's uh, career pathways um and success is predicated on giving people the right information um remember it's a centrally planned economy you, you know people would be in charge of ordering how many cars were going to be manufactured or how many t-shirts and if they got it wrong like there were you know people suffered and it was a, it was mm. a terrible situation to live under and if you talk to people who lived in the soviet union i haven't heard any good stories about it at all yeah. Was there a reference to Gorbachev? Is that the right? Would that yeah, be that's right, right. Later at that stage. So I'm waiting for Hugh Grant to play him because that'll be <sighs> thrilling when I see that. That'll be no. really good. It'll be Michael Palin. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the Ministry of Silly Walks <sighs> somewhere in there. Yeah, uh, you know Maggie Smith playing. I don't know someone else. How whoever. dare you? Will you stop I'm just trying to think the British actors? I'm, I, I love the British actors. I've got no problems with the performance. My my problem is that we just, as an audience, is mm. like you're too dumb. Mm. 
you, you just need to to have a whole bunch of British accents. Yep. It's what the Americans would do to us. Yep. Um, another really interesting observation that I found was, you know, when the fire's broken out and they're in the place has exploded um, and uh, one of the staff says to the chief engineer, well, what do we do about the fire? And he says, we'll call the fire department. And the fire yep. department dutifully rocks up and yep. starts putting out the fire. They've got no understanding that, like, this could be dangerous. They just go about it like like it's normal business. And just shows how unprepared and under mm. um under resource or not under resource they look like they've got plenty of fire engines and things but they're completely ill-informed and uh unprepared for what they're actually going in the face i was fascinated by the the radiation poisoning and the way that it manifests mm. you know depending on sort of where you are it affects people differently but mm. i i had all i'd never never even thought about I assumed that there was an explosion, so people would have died in the explosion, yeah. and then people would have been exposed as it kind of mani- as it moved towards town, mm. and they would have got sick and died. Yeah, either you know months later or years later from that exposure. That kind of rapid, you know, mm. degradation of someone's skin and their mm. I didn't even who wouldn't have even considered in terms of radiation poisoning. Yeah, and I think they took some um, dramatic liberties with the show, so it might not be quite as dramatic as, as they sort of portrayed, but it all depends on the on the the amount of radioactive dose, like the dose of radiation that you get as to how bad things are. Um, and this show, I, I think, is kind of famous for the, the way it depicts people suffering from radiation poisoning. Um, and we see the guy on the, the firefighter on the ground who picked up the graphite and his mm, hand yeah. is like kind of all the skin's coming off. And I don't know how realistic that is, but certainly people throwing up suddenly uh, like a, a definitely symptoms of radiation poisoning that, that people experienced. Um, there's a, a really powerful scene where all the people go up to the railway bridge that are to kind of get a better view of the, you know, the, the fire and, and, the, and the death bridge. And, and yeah, I was just going to bring up that that's a, a, a based on a real place. People really did wander up to go have a look and because they had no conception of how dangerous what they were seeing was. Uh, it, was it, is it hidden from the, from the public that that's not actually a nuclear power station? So they think it's, it's coal fired or they think it's something else or do they know it's a. Oh, no, they know it's a nuclear power station. Okay, so I, I seem to miss that. The people that work there do, yep. but it was was I did I misunderstand or mishear that the public doesn't necessarily know that it's a nuclear power station? No, they they know it's a power station. In that in, just before that scene, they talk about so and so's partner is a plumber who works at the power station. So yeah, they, but they refer to it as a power station. They know it's nuclear though. Yeah, they, they certainly would. So I would was I was in in the dialogue, the very English dialogue. I assumed <laughs> that I'd heard <laughs> that they they had said that the people don't necessarily understand that it's a it's a uh, it's a nuclear power station. It, it, it's considered a state secret, or mm. uh, the, the the actual the actual methodology behind it is considered state secret. So it's got I'm, to be hidden. I'm sure that they would understand, but I think the issue is that they haven't been informed about the dangers of radiation. Danger. And their, their propaganda has told them that the power station is perfectly safe and it can't mm. explode. And so, when, once that's your reality, if you see it explode. Well, it's perfect. It's it's melted down in a perfectly safe way, so we can go have a look, and it just looks nice, and it's very pretty lights. Mm. But the going back to Christian's, you know, death bridge. The the urban legend was that everyone on that bridge who was mm. watching ended up passing away. Mm. So they that's, they didn't they didn't mention. Oh, I'm not sure if they go back and mention it, but everyone who's who was on that bridge was the rumor was that they 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 perished in shortly after that. Yeah. Yep. Um, we actually get a seat towards the end of the episode. We, we, we see meet Lagasso for the first time. He gets woken up and get placed on a committee with Gorbachev, who's the, um, 
I forget the title, secretary or whatever, the, the Soviet Union, basically their equivalent of like the president or the prime minister. And um, he wanders, he gets to participate in, in uh, he, he's in the conversation getting appointed to this committee and he's explaining to the the, the fellow, uh, his name is Boris, who um, is calling one of the committee and saying, oh, look, I don't, the Boris has said what the plan is, what, what's happening. And, and like I was saying, oh, I don't think that's quite right. I think we need to be thinking about other stuff. And Boris shuts him down right away and says, no, no, mm-hmm. you're here to give us advice about the reactor. If any technical questions come up, we're not here to talk. You're not here to talk about policy. Uh, so you can see it's very much a very politically oriented response. And I, and I will say, going back to Shannon's argument, is that this is where I, got, I was a little bit confused on the English. The English. Is, is he an English investigator or is he a Russian investigator? Because you're bringing a character in from the outside who you know isn't in, on that location. Mm-hmm. So... That's where it's he, a little bit confusing in that in that sense. He's clearly there because he wraps he wraps a newspaper that's clearly in yeah, Russian. He's going to be there eventually, but mm. when he gets woken up, where is he in the world? Is he an English person coming in, or is he already in there? See, that's it, fascinating because I didn't think. Uh, it, but, but where, where did you think? Where do you think he was? Russia. You thought he was in Russia when he was woken up. He's already in Russia. All these guys are in Russia, and it might just be because I I. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a history person, so I, I, I like I, I know a little bit about history and how the Soviet Union kind of worked. But yeah, there wouldn't have been an English like person. Well, that, that's that, I mean that, that's where I think that history. that that's where it falls down because I, I wasn't I didn't know if he was English or he was Russian or he's a Russian living in England, or I, I just yeah. I didn't I didn't know that, and that's 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 where the the Englishness falls down for me. Yeah, he's talking about Senator Alan Rickman. Like I just I, <laughs> anyway. I've got my own issues, but I thought it was a fascinating look. I don't know where the series goes from here because I feel like there's a lot on the plate already in this first episode, and I don't know how. Is it how many episodes? Six, Eight? six, six. So it's six. not not a huge run, um, but it, a bit of a fascinating look on something that I don't have a lot of good knowledge of, other than to say that there was a major, you know, disaster there, and it's mm-hmm. it's still a a uh, it's still a no no go zone, right? Yeah, um, well, uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, but they, they closed the last one down in two thousand. The last, but but Chernobyl's still a no-go zone around that that area. Yeah, so there's still an exclusionary zone. Um, they did put like a massive building structure over the top of it to stop any any more radiation getting out, and they've got like a whole thing um, there. So yeah, look, it was a fascinating look on a on a topic I know nothing about. Really, know nothing about. Um, I do know that there's a bunch of irradiated bores running around that exclusion zone. Which they should, people should be concerned about. I'm hoping by episode six somebody gets superpowers because that's really my only interaction with <laughs> with nuclear power is that someone <laughs> will eventually become the Hulk. And I thought that's a nice, that's it's nice gamma. that HBO that's have the, picked up. Yeah, that's Gamma Shannon. You wrong kind of power. It doesn't matter. It's, radioactive yeah. man you need from Simpsons. Didn't Spider Man get bitten by a radioactive spider? Radioactive spider. spider? Yeah, yes, come on. Yeah, there's no spiders. I didn't see any spiders. I was looking for them. I was, I was checking <laughs> to make sure. Just looking, just um, just to make sure. Yeah, great. <laughs> let's. Let's go to the Looming Tower, the show uh, that Jake's going to explain succinctly. Um, that had, and I will say this just up front while I remember it, what I deemed the Microsoft Word uh, clip art <laughs> yep. introduction. I don't know why that title sequence was so bad. It looked like it was made in Microsoft Word art. Maybe that was and the that point. Really, it really annoyed me, and I don't know why it did that. It looks cheap and nasty, and I want you to put that on on notice. Amazon <laughs> Prime, Jeff Daniels, specifically you. <laughs> uh, so we're following the life of um, FBI Counterterrorism Unit uh, John O'Neill, 
uh, and him trying to get information from the CIA. He works for the FBI and he's trying to get information from the CIA about uh, the, the lead up to the Twin Towers attack on 9-11. And we're, we're following him trying to obtain jurisdiction to run off on his own and create his own little agency. But we we kind of jump all over the place. We're, we're in 2004 uh, early on and I think it's the first scene or second scene uh with the with the hearing about what happened or the information that happened coming up to the twin towers attack we follow a a hard drive disc in afghanistan i'm, I'm assuming it was uh go past which i thought was a really interesting scene they pass around the, a, a flash drive disc between about five people before it gets shot off at the end source but basically we're just we're, we're following the events that's leading up to 9-11 is the general consensus of the show with various plot twists happening in the middle I'm so confused. Did I watch a different show? Because you didn't mention the puppets. And so I watched Team America World Police. I was, uh, sorry. I just uh, realized my mistake. That's, that's, that's it's all I could done. think of when I was watching that this show was, was Team America World Police because that is kind of – if that's how the FBI actually operates, i mind blown. What what role do they have in other, other countries to get search warrants? Oh, it's ridiculous, and and you've also got Langley, so that's that's uh, the UK CIA. Yep, yep, CIA. Yeah. Uh, yep. So yeah, you've got. It's just it's just uh, it's an amazing look at how other countries operate in lower class countries, and how that how America stamps their authority over the whole world. Hmm. Well, not the whole world, but in certain in certain places of the world. Yeah. What, what's fa- what what you're describing effectively is is the practical effect of the ability of the US government to issue warrants in the United States or issue search orders or whatever and actually have them executed and carried out in other countries. Mm. So through the episode, we see a guy get taken to Kenya and he, where he executes a search warrant on a house, you know, basically with where, the assistance of the Kenyan government. Like they, they rock up and... But the, the Kenyan from, authorities won't go on... on they're like, we're, we're, we're washing our hands of this. You're on yeah. your own. Yeah, we're going to help go, because you're American, um, but yep. we're going to just going to drive you to the place and then we're going to sit in the car while you do what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, it was a fascinating look at, at this and 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 the political shitstorming between uh, the CIA and CIA and the FBI. Uh, it's just it's just it's just like high school drama, but there's so many more lives at stake because it's just like you know, who's bigger? Flop it yeah. out on the table and show us, yeah. and we'll go from there. But this is like, you, you guys are familiar with bureaucracy. Yeah. Yes. Tell me that this is not exactly how bureaucracy works. Oh, yeah, for the, sure. The F word gets dropped a lot more. I, I, I'd <laughs> love to act like these people in some of their meetings that I think. <laughs> yeah. Great. But I, I, I do. And, I do and, want... and if the director just went, now calm down. <laughs> just, you know, if you just go on nuts and they're just, just like, no, 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 calm down. None of that. Basically, the long and short of it is the CIA have information that the FBI could really use because it would help protect. Um, it could be useful to help them track people who are planning to carry out attacks in the United States. But the CIA won't share it with the FBI because they know the FBI will go down and kick in the doors and arrest the people. And the CIA actually want to follow the information and track these people and you know flip them in on, on higher sources. And so the CIA are actually disincentivized from sharing information because it will actually cut off their ability to keep digging further into the networks. It's interesting, though, that the FBI is kind of the, the good guys here and the CIA are the bad guys here. Yep. That's that's how it's portrayed for this one, yes. I, and yep. I think it's really interesting that the CIA makes sense. Like what they're saying makes sense, yep. 
and it makes it makes perfect sense to me that you want to follow the information and instead of just going in and arresting them and then everyone you know shutting up and not saying any information they're going to follow yep. the information but but it really makes the CIA look like bad guys it the, does the, the, well the C, the CFI the CFA the CIA <laughs> uh, withheld the information that led to the the bombing of the of the embassy the American embassies mm. um, and did not share that information and I think that that's seemingly historically accurate in how how that some of that that sort of stuff happened so mm. um I, I don't think the cia come across squeaky clean in in history at all i mean the fbi don't really either but i think the cia cia are seen more as as the bad guys yeah historically and if you if we were telling a story from the perspective of the cia there'd be a long history of, re, of times that they'd shared in, in intelligence with the fbi yeah. and the fbi had gone in and stuffed up the, their the cia's investigation so we'd be much more cl- inclined to be sympathetic towards them so it really depends on the angle that you're looking at and your perspective that you have either way it's a giant cluster stuff of uh of 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 cross purposes and and bureaucracy what i found really cool about this show though was the interspersing of historical footage like there's actually an interview with osama bin laden in there that you get to see and you see that kind of real foot grainy footage from the 90s on a vhs tape um interspersed with like live action takes from uh, from from today and you also see like um TV uh, interviews, TV footage, that that sort of thing through through the episode. My only my only problem with that was when they had did establishing shots. They used half footage and half half stock footage, I reckon from mm. from back then, and that was really jarring because like you, if you're just using establishing shots of the locations, why are you using those kind of grainy images, which is a oh. bit in, which was in a cut with HD quality? That was yeah. a little bit odd. I love the I love the Osama bin Laden stuff and all that. Yeah. I love that part, but just just the stock footage really bugged me. Do they keep calling him U UBL? UBL, yeah. yeah. Is that, that, that it, was... Isn't he Osama? Okay, yeah. No. Well, I think it's Usama. Think but that's Usama. not how they, that's not how he spells it. Well, is he? So confused. Yeah, I feel like I've been living a lie. I've he's always been Osama with I'm, an I'm O. Pretty, no, I'm pretty sure it's Usama. The, the tattoo on my chest of him has <laughs> an Shen, O, Shen, so I'm going to be embarrassed now. Sorry, I'm going for the Joe Rogan thing. Are oh, you right. saying that you don't like my tattoo of a summer? I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying it's probably time you get it removed. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> it, 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 the, the, the moment's passed. Yeah, oh. yeah. it's done. It's done. Yep. Um, I, I just I just found that, that that stock footage for the establishing shots was really odd and jarring. Just that, like, like I'm, I'm complaining about ten seconds of footage here. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. What I I found that it really helped with the um, I don't know, it just helped make it. Like it was basically the directors or the, the producers, the creators of the show, basically saying we've tried to follow history as closely as we can, mm. and so we're following it literally, like scene for scene, if we can. Or well, they're trying to give that impression anyway. What what didn't gel with me, I think, were the ac- action sequences. I didn't think they were necessary. It felt like they were trying to be a little bit too twenty four for my liking, and and I don't think we necessarily needed the chase down. You know, of I'm quite happy to look at the politics behind it all, but this kind of I'm going to send my agent here and they're going to chase this guy down. And you know, the search warrant seemed fine, but the chase down from the end, a guy holding in a washing machine, I just didn't need that. I felt like that was a different tone from the show I was we were trying to watch. Um, I had a couple of questions, and I might not have been paying as a close attention. Did the really old FBI agent guy who went yes, into the yeah, house. He, on he his pulled own. her. Did, did he did he pick up that embassy lady? Yes. Yep. How did that happen? Yep. Well, he's a suave character. He's it was suave. the nineties, man. He's sweaty and he's 
he's older. It's, it's, no, she, she look, that. it's, it's, you guys being so judgmental. It's the power, no, Shane. It's the power. I'm, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's got a great personality. But, <laughs> but, but I was just really confused because that didn't, didn't make a lot of sense. The other part that we have to talk about here, and I don't, I presume these people are real people. Are is, they, it, is, is that it, right? Is it Teddy's, yeah. is it Teddy's sex? Oh, why can you call him Teddy? Is, why do I keep calling him Teddy? Like, um, Jeff no, Daniels. No. Uh, it's why is he Teddy? Yeah, I don't know. Why. It's the guy from the newsroom, right? Yeah. Mm. No, I think I think he's getting called Teddy and um, the Martian. Uh. Did we? He's got multiple affairs running. Mm-hmm. Is that is that? Are we are we looking at real life people? Are they actual people or is yeah, this I just so. They're real I people. So. I don't know how, if the affairs real or not, but like they're, they're I'd all... be I'd be suing if then if they're not. Like, like Alex Stefan is real. Um, the guy Jeff Daniels plays is real. Was. Is he is he just spreading it thin? Like, what's you? You've got a pretty serious job. How do you have time? <laughs> well, I think I think it's I think it's people in other cities. So when he goes but I, to but DC, I'm so he's tired, got a girl. Jake. I'm so tired, and my job's not running, trying to save the country. Like, I'm just so tired. He's, I don't he's, understand. He's on, he's on another level, Sean. He's on. He's probably in his fifties, and he's on another level, Sean. He's just. He's, he's the man. He's, I I couldn't keep up. He's super spy. What can you say? Yeah. He's like Bond. Did did we need that part? I I, I was going to say the same thing. I, I I don't think it I don't think it hurt the show. I I don't, I don't think we, his love life is really necessary to the story. Yeah, is it, somehow. Is it what Chernobyl was missing? Did it it missed a bit of? <laughs> no, I don't think Chernobyl was missing. No, I just I I liked I liked how they cut between places. They I think they jumped around a little bit too much. Yeah, you kind of had to be. And they, they they posted up pretty quickly of where they were, but they did jump around location to location pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and the the timeline wasn't super clear of how much time has passed between threats and how much time has passed between these actions because they were like you know they saw the, the guy with one leg um, in um, wherever he was Afghanistan, and then all of a sudden he was in Kenya, and you, I, I, you didn't get a good sense of the time passed, which is a little bit jarring. Mm. For me, yeah, okay. It it's got some very good character actors in it, like Michael Stuhlbarg, Peter Skarsgård, Jeff Daniels. They're all really good, strong actors that are very convincing. I'm not sure that the quality of the show matches that kind of star power. I it 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 was fine, but I, it did nothing hugely interesting to me. The the kind of political shitstorm. Behind nine eleven, I think, you know, the, is the mismanagement of those of that kind of intelligence mm-hmm. that yep. led to that is the is the intriguing part. So there's a lot of filler in that episode. Now I note that this has gone up to at least season two. They're going to run out of material. When do they get to the t- like? Sh- assumedly, the towers happens relatively soon. So is it's the all the point scoring and the political game shifting, blame shifting afterwards that's that's the intriguing part. It, it, I think no, in parts. It's only, it only one season, Sean. Are you sure? Yeah. Yep. Only one season. Oh, one my season. IMDb said. So it, 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 it. I mean, spoilers. It ends the last episode's nine eleven. <laughs> I think. Yeah. It's like it's like saying spoilers. Titanic hits the iceberg. Hits the iceberg. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we we all knew it was heading that way. It's called the looming tower, um, but uh, yeah, I I was more interested in the political intrigue than the kind of a the salacious affairs happening in the background. Unless they play a big story 
he was actually banging one of the terrorist wife and that's that's why they took it like unless it actually plays in somehow i'm not super interested in it yeah sure. and i don't know why it's there and, and um if it's not real like because i don't know i haven't dug into the life of john o'neill who, who but um, but do you really playing. care well like I, from a from a narrative point of view it, it's, it's really unimportant as shannon says but yeah. i'm also conscious he is actually a real person and he has surviving family so if, I'm just thinking if my if my father had died on 9 11 mm. and he was this character he's a person and he was portrayed on a TV show as this like cheating lecherous guy like big, bigamist I might feel a bit miffed about that if especially if it's just for dramatic purposes and, and no real it, it real. must be real surely they couldn't get away with it but it's oh, it so be weird real. because it doesn't add. It, it, there's no narrative value to that whatsoever. No. But it, it could be implied through dialogue. Unless, unless the CIA shown. uses that that material against him, or there's some other like there's a point scoring that happens and it all comes out, and that's, it, it, it I don't know, but it has to narratively lead into the story somehow. Otherwise, it just seemed annoying and kind of gratuitous, and I didn't value it at all, um, and kind of took me away from the story, to be honest. Um, but you know, they put really good people in those roles who can deliver it. Like Jeff Daniels can deliver a monologue when he needs to, you know? Oh, of course. Uh, and yeah. so... I just I never, verse... never picture that guy getting angry, like in any of the, his, his roles, like getting seriously mm. angry. And he's just, he just keeps proving that he's he's so versatile as an actor. Mm. Yeah. But uh, look, I, I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it more than Chernobyl. Really? I think I... Yeah, but I think I learned more from Chernobyl. Mm. Um you know, mainly about radiation and what yeah. it does to the human body. Um, it's a lot and, darker. Uh, Chernobyl's a lot darker. It's gonna it has a lot darker tone. Yes, I, I think it's it's interesting because yeah, even though HBO's it, it's it's clearly an HBO, it'd be a BBC joint maybe if I'm guessing because yeah, that's why I'd it's say so. yep. yeah. So which is, which happens a lot and they do that that crossover, but it's clearly targeted at a different audience like mm. you can always see when the americans are doing their own american thing you know it's like they can't help but do the rah-rah america stuff mm. and that was a, that was very present in in uh in in uh, the looming tower and not obviously not so in yeah in, uh, in chernobyl there are some similar messages though which are around like there's some real strong themes of uh corrupt or inefficient bureaucracies and the and the importance of information and the damage that lies or missing or you know not sharing information that's appropriate can do to you know society at large, um, uh, and I found I find that interesting that both shows focus on that in slight, from slightly different angles. If this is even a modicum of truth, anyone that thinks in wide government conspiracies, yeah, needs to needs to look at this stuff. This is what happens. There's too much political point scoring for everyone to agree and then cover mm -hmm. stuff up. It just doesn't happen. It can't happen because everyone's incompetent. Now, <laughs> I'm 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 the absolute rule follower of rule followers, right? Like I will respect and I'll just do whatever the government tells me to do. But I'm so super convinced that everyone's incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they don't even hide it now. Like like yeah. just a level of ineptitude that you see from government is is pretty oh. staggering. I would vote for any politician comes up like I'm here for my own political gains, guys. <laughs> like, this is my this is my agenda. You either like it or you don't. Mm. Um, I'm not. I'm here to appease this particular group. I don't really care what that group thinks. If they can't, I would vote for them tomorrow. Like, even if they were like the anti me club, yeah. if they came out was like a whole party is anti that guy, I'd be like, yeah, I appreciate that. That's that's I like your candor. Like, yeah, yeah. I would vote. Game for respects that. game, yo. Yeah, yeah I, I would. I'm down for that. 
Yeah, great. But, but anyone actually thinks these people could organise a mass conspiracy of any type, mm. um, particularly the American government or, you know, the Australian government, they're you know, rocks in the head, guys. Like, they just could not do it. But I, yeah. I will say that the press was more worried about Monica Lewinsky at this stage. And they, yes. they showed that. They were, they were seriously con- more concerned about what happened to her dress than mm. the possible terrorist attack. And they even said, you know, how many of our agents speak, you know, Arabic or whatever it was. And they, yeah, it's they Arabic. Said, yeah. Arabic. Mm. And they said eight out of 10,000. Mm. That's how little they care about this threat. Yeah, but everyone cares about Monica Lewinsky. Like you, you say, Monica Lewinsky now, I reckon she's almost as famous as Osama bin Laden. Mm. Like that's a bit scary. That's that's really interesting. And through the episode in the Looming Tower, they actually show you know the Monica Lewinsky stuff happening on the TV in the background, mm. um, and it's completely taking like it knocks Osama bin Laden off the off the front page immediately. Yeah. Like I mean, people that, even that that was huge news here like mm. it, we all knew about it like it, you yeah. know it, our media focused on it for, for for months the whole trial and the whole thing it, it, you know the news loves salacious stories because it gets clicks or it gets readers back in that day mm. and and boring tense political drama does it like no one everyone's even with this ukraine situation now at the moment everyone's like oh just invade or shut up like oh. You know, I, I seriously, people are just like, well, I, I, you just see memes now. People are just like, That's a, here's a meme. They just meme everything. No one actually understands the political tenseness between it. And the next celebrity thing will knock it off the front page and we'll move on. It's, it's, because we're, we're so disconnected from it, so far away from it. Well, I think people sort of, like, I think people, the internet gives people this perception that reality like the internet is reality when they're forgetting that there's actually like real people on the other end of the line. There's real events and real things that happen. Like, like I, I just can't see people in the past. Like I couldn't see someone in 1939 sitting there smashing out memes of Adolf Hitler about to invade Poland. Like I just can't, can't imagine I, that of Kurt. That I happening. can, I can has Poland. Like, you know, like it's just, it's just, it's wild. And, and um, you know, I think we've touched on a point that's not really connected, but it is, Watching this stuff is just like that's you watching watching Chernobyl and they have complete control over the media and the dissemination of information. Like they will they will shut that down. They will own it and shut it and the public will only get propaganda. And yet we live in countries that are free press and we're interested in the dumbest shit. And it's <laughs> and, and, and and you know, information is free, but it's about what gets clicks like what are people actually interested in the breakdown of the last night's married at first sight is like top of top of the of the chain and then somewhere down the bottom is like we might be heading towards world war three you guys and everyone's like oh yeah well you just tell us when it happens we'll we'll go back to married at first but importantly kanye is talking smack about kim on tv like, <laughs> again, like, you know, hey, Super the Super Bowl, that halftime yeah. show, really good. Really, yeah, you know, awesome. like it's so it's so bizarre the stuff that we, we focus on until it genuinely affects us. Have you guys watched Don't Look Up yet? Yeah, yeah, we did a whole podcast on it. Thanks for listening. It's not out yet, Chen. It's not out yet, just saying. So you can, you can scrub that. Uh, you can't blame no, me. We, we did. And, and and they keep saying that it was it was a pre COVID world like they're saying it's hmm. not a covid reaction and i don't see how that's the case because it's, it's it was so that interesting. climate change is like kind of the yeah yeah but it's just it's it's so it, relevant, it's so relevant now 
and it's terrifying. And I think, I mean, I loved it. Jake's Jake's view of it was it bummed me out and made me sad, and I never it see it again. It made me seriously sad. I've never been more bummed out by a movie ever. Do you want me to um, make you feel a bit better, Jake? Sure, I'd love that. The same the same feeling that you have there, and the same anxiety, and the same issues around, and concern, and the same misinformation and stuff like that, all happened when the printing press was invented. As a, as a as a civilization, like we've been through like this thing before. Basically, the internet is a revolutionary way of communicating and disseminating information, just like the printing press was. And over time, the after the printing press, like people learned to spot what was bullshit and what wasn't, um, and they learned they got a bit greater sense of information awareness, and society kind of adjusted. We're going through that process now, so I'm very confident that we're going to get there in the end. It's but it's a bumpy ride, and it's not very comfortable. And people like you and Shannon and myself, we're sitting here like literally putting our hands in our foreheads, going, "What? What's going on, people? Like, when did you all lose sense?" Um, and mm. it was probably about the point when everyone got mobile phones, and you got this little black screen like that you can just sort of stare into, and social media is connected to it, and that, and then like that's your pathway into the internet. Um, yeah, it's we're seeing this mass democratization of the internet, which yeah, yeah, is a very un- it's a very difficult transition phase for us to go through, like as a as a culture. So, um, all right, boys, get let's let's which one would you tip? Which one are you saying? Which one are you you telling people to watch? What are you more likely to continue on with? I feel like Chernobyl is, is a better show. I feel like it's going to be a better show. It, it, the the production value is better, but I'm more interested in the in the in the looming tower Ooh. story, and I think that's what it comes down to. I think it really comes down to which which story do you find, or which historical event do you find more interesting, or which one do you want to more know more information about? Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. Yep, I'm going to go with well, I, I I'm, I'm a bit similar in that I, I really like them both. Um, and I, I think you're, you've you probably hit the nail on the head there with you ask yourself which story you're more interested in and, and the choice is going to be like, are you more interested in in the cost of people's ego and bureaucracies being inefficient and self-interested and, and whatnot? Or are you interested in like what happens when people, like when authoritarianism stops people, share, like people telling lies and, and perspective and perception becomes more important than than the truth you watch chernobyl so for me i'm actually going to go with chernobyl because it, it is set in that more foreign sort of place um you do get an insight into a society that existed and was you know not very pleasant for an awful amount of people who, who lived under it um whereas for me the Lumi tower is a bit more familiar because i'm more familiar with the way western institutions and governments work so i liked the, the cultural insight into the soviet Union through chernobyl so i'll go there I, I know you've you've been very dismissive of my point but I would watch Chernobyl, but, but for the accents, it really did take me completely out of it. Um, so I, I, my votes for the looming tower, I probably have more interest in the American yep. system than I do otherwise. But I really, I really did struggle with with the the English accents through that whole that whole series. So I would go for the the looming tower, um, and I hope that our audience does go and at least watch one. And maybe, hopefully, you're watching it now on Valentine's Day to give yourself that uplift that you well deserve. Before we wrap things up, I want to say one thing. I'm very proud of Christian for not swearing on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I, I go through and try and make sure that I be a, a, a TV censor and beep mm-hmm. out anything that's it's that's um, said by one particular person. I'm not going to name names who it was. But 
um, yeah, just, man, just I, I, yeah, Shannon swears a lot. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm very proud of Christian for holding off the, uh, the oh, f bomb. The, the F-bomb yeah. I will say I haven't sworn this episode. I was you about have. to just twice. drop a dry try. Yeah, we have twice, I, but I haven't dropped the f bomb. <laughs> I haven't dropped the f bomb. I've been very cautious about no, that. I, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to do like a, you know, a, a, a 70s or 80s. You know, any kind of swear word is beeped out, and I really enjoy that process, but. Um, I'm just props to Christian for for holding back the oh, f bomb. You're welcome, Jake. Anytime, mate. I'll absolute do my best. Say, say, sa- save me at least ten seconds of work. Good An way. absolute mother father. Right. <laughs> that's what it's all about, Jake. It's all about saving you work, mate. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Uh, well, thank you very much for listening uh, to this uh, just tiny, tiny episode of morsels of information and nuggets of uh, of power. Hopefully, you watch. One of these, and uh, and at least both of them, maybe both of them. Maybe you should watch both of them, um, and let us know on all the social media channels that we own and run, like uh, like a good government. You know, mm. only listen to us for your, your information, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, God. And if I talk to you about ivermectin, uh, <laughs> this episode brought to you by ivermectin. <laughs> now, now I I'm no scientist. Uh, but, uh, which is my favourite sentence that's ever been uttered in 2022. <laughs> like, look, I'm not a qualified immunologist, but I took it and so I'm not dead. Uh, and therefore, <laughs> it clearly beats COVID. Mm. Um, also, here's nine videos of me saying the N-word. Uh, mm. That's, oh man, Joe Rogan, can we talk about that? Like, can no, we just do a whole thing wrap, at the end? Wrap it up, Sean, wrap it up. Fine. Good night and stuff. No, I reckon we, we uh, wrap up the show and then we talk about Joe Rogan and then we put that as a... Oh, man. I just... I don't understand. Anyway. Uh, all right. Well, thanks from us. Uh, good good luck. <laughs> Listen to the next hour and a half while we talk about Joe Rogan. <laughs> so long. All right. You ready to call the outro? Yep. Talent's here. Let's go. All right. You want to warm up or anything first? No, I'm okay. good. <clears throat> okay. Hit me. Now, remember, no cliches, funny, light. It's a podcast. In a world. Always do this. It's the first one. But that's, that's It's what, the most obvious but one. But that's what good trailers. No. No. Just no. On the edge of space. Shand. Bedroom. House. Podcast. Us. Go. Jurassic Park meets Twilight. Imagine it. Yeah. yeah. We're a podcast. But We're not a movie. Dun, dun, dun. We podcast. Us talking about movies. Is it just, just no no just go? Is it because the no, ger- the T Rex no. has little arms and couldn't stab him in the chest with a stake? Go. A rooster and a cat are friends. I know you're a cock, but this terrible. Come on, movies, podcast. It's us talking about them. Go. Two idiots have a podcast. They talk about movies and nonsense. If you'd like to join in that conversation, you can hit them up on masspodcasters at gmail.com or talk to them on Facebook. That's so hard. Yeah, my voice hurts a little. I've got a tickle, and I actually think Jurassic Park and Twilight as a crossover would work. <sighs> Shut up.